So we're going to look at, um, as a title, As For Me, Part 4, Redemption. As For Me, Part 4, Redemption. Can I have someone type redemption in the chat or redeem or redeemer? Redemption. So I'm going to read a Bible verse. Psalms 49 verses 15. And it says this. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of the grave. Um, and so I'm just going to pray and we'll um, let God speak to us in these moments. So God, right now, we just thank you for uh, who's in this Zoom chat right now. We thank you for their lives and for the call of God that you've placed upon them and whatever that looks like. Even as we, we've just heard this song talking about that you're for us, you're with us in our coming, in our going. You're before us, you're behind us everywhere, God. You you have your favor upon us. And God, we just pray that uh, you can help uh, this word of God, God, come alive to us afresh, be real to us, that we're able to live the best life possible because we have you um, guiding us and leading us. And we just thank you, God, that your word isn't a book to be uh, confusing, but it's a book to bring us direction and clarity. And I pray that, God, that something will be seated in the hearts of us that, when we grow and we mature more and more in you, that um, we understand how much you love us. Amen. So um, who, who watched church online this morning? Can I get a, a reaction on your, on your screen there? So Pete did. Pete, we sang some songs this morning, and can you testify if we had Prophesy from Planet Shakers? We did. Uh, prophesy. And we had Good Grace. Mm -hmm. Clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. Now, both of those songs have a lyric in them about redemption. So, prophesy says, um, and I'll praise you for every second you've redeemed. I'll pray. Yes, do I get a witness in this place? That song talks about redeemed. Good grace. Jesus. And then it goes, our redemption, right? So, we, we sing songs about redemption, being redeemed, our redeemer, all of that, all those different words mean the same thing. Basically, we sing about it, but the, and and it's easy for us to sing it. It's not a hard word to say. We could all say redeem, right? We could all say redemption. We could all say redeemer. But do we understand it? That's the question. Uh, if I was to pinpoint one of you on the screen, if I was to say to boom, 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 would you better clearly define to me what being redeemed means? What's a redeemer? And so we could get a dictionary definition go, well, this is what the dictionary says. But would, do you understand what it means that Jesus had redeemed your life? Would you understand what it means that um, what redemption is in God's eyes? And so I, I believe that if I've done my job today, by the end of this message, you'll understand what redemption means, who Jesus is as a redeemer, and what it means from scripture, oh, all right? What's happened? You tell me, Twin, what's happened? I'm not sure. Fair enough. So... Um, so to understand redemption, we got to, I want to first look at the book of Leviticus. Can someone in, the Duke, in that chat write Leviticus? And so we're going to go to verses 25. If you've got your Bible, go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, and we'll do a bit of a background. So who's heard of Abraham? Can I get a nod? You've heard of Abraham. And Abraham had a son called, say with me, Isaac. He had a son called Jacob. He also had a son called Esau. So, Jake, so Abraham had, and Abraham had multiple sons as well, but the, um, there was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We would have heard that in church before, no doubt. 
And so Jacob, as later then his name becomes Israel. And Israel, Jacob has 12 sons. And then they later become the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So, so some of the, those sons that became tribes, there was Reuben, there was Judah, there was Benjamin, um, then there was Joseph, but he, there was no tribe of Joseph. You've never heard of, uh, in the Bible the tribe of Joseph. Instead, his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, become half tribes. So together they become one tribe. But we, we, you hear of the tribe of Ephraim or the tribe of Manasseh, and they're technically the tribe of Joseph. So there's many, there's 12 sons and there's 12 tribes of Israel, right? But there was another tribe called Levi. And so one of Israel's sons was Levi. And, and so basically what, what happens, and so that tribe of Levi is called the Levites, right? The tribe of Levi called the Levites. And so then, God promises, promised land to Abraham and then that promise to Abraham was then handed down to Isaac and finally that promise was handed down to Jacob or Israel and then his 12 sons, which then become a nation in Egypt, are then received that promised land that was promised to Abraham, right? Is everyone following me? So the yeah. 12 tribes of Israel received the promised land that was promised to their great-grandfather, whatever it was, Abraham. And so then they receive this land, the promised land, and the land is divided so that they all may live within that land, right? And so the best way I can describe that, if you can, can everyone just picture a pizza in your head right now? Picture a pizza and you go, that's, that's the promised land, that's the promised pizza. And if there was 12 sons, you go, right, what do you do? We'll chop it into 12 pieces, right? Makes sense. You get your pizza, chop it into 12 pieces, and you go, here you go, you have, each have a piece. That's not what happens. Shock and horror. The pizza was only cut into 11 pieces. So you have, a, you have the promised land or you have our pizza and one missed out. One tribe missed out of a portion of land or a portion of pizza. Or if you like a pie, pie, whatever, the, the, or cake, you cut it, you, rather than cutting it into 12 even pieces, they cut it into 11 and one tribe missed out. And so um, all the tribes received land but the Levites the Levites missed out on getting land allotted to them every other tribe did but the Levites missed out and so the reason being was that the Levites ha had the privilege of serving God and so a, a, a one element so the Levites there was many different clan like clans in that tribe and one of that clan were specially chosen to be the priests that served God. But then also, so not all Levites were priests, but the Levites were allowed to serve God and worship him in a way that no other tribe was. So God was showing that to serve God is just as much as of a privilege than it is to own land. And so it's pretty interesting. But the Levites still did have houses, obviously. They still were able to live places, but the land didn't actually technically belong to them. So what happened is, who, who is anyone here familiar with the history of Australia? Do we have any historians of Australia? So originally, Australia wasn't Australia with multiple states and territories. There were separate colonies. So there was a colony of Victoria. There was a colony of um, Queensland. There was Western Australia. There was South Australia. Then what happens is those colonies merged to become the Australian nation, right? And then there was a bickering between Sydney and Melbourne going, we want to be the capital city. So rather, they couldn't decide. So they said, well, we'll create another city or not, and another state or territory called the ACT, Australian Capital Ter Territory, right? We all agree with that. 
And uh, so Australian capital is Canberra. I have a witness in this place. Canberra is the capital of Australia in the ACT. So, and so what happens is obviously with Australian, for us as Australians, um, Canberra or the, and ACT was allotted a special part of land inside of New South Wales, right? And so in a similar way, the Levites were allotted their own ACT amongst the tribes of Israel. So in, in the tribe of Reuben, in their land, there was a, an ACT for them, for the Levites. In the tribe of Judah, in their allotment of land, there was a special portion of land for the Levites. And the way I, def I can picture it in my head, if it's a pepperoni pizza, where that pepperoni is, so that square of pizza might be the Levites, but the pepperoni, oh sorry, is, is say maybe the tribe of Judah, but the pepperoni is belonging to the Levites, right? Does that make sense to people? I hope it does. So the Israelites um, disperse the land. Every tribe got a piece except for the Levites that got their own little pieces because their job was to serve God. That was our allotment. And so um, the book of Leviticus, though, is a book written to and about things concerning the Levites and the priests. So when we read Leviticus, it's talking about what the job of the priests are to do, what the job of the Levites is to do, what's required, and what are their expectations. So when we read the book of Leviticus, that's important for us to understand because they're serving God and they don't, they're not like every other tribe, there's certain things that they got to do and be involved in. And so that's what the book is primarily speaking to, God speaking to them about what's required of them. And so then in this, and if we go to the, as I've said, chapter 25, the second half, we see God um, sets up a rule or a principle known as redemption. So that's what we talk about, redemption. So the back end of Leviticus chapter 25 we see this concept of um, redemption introduced, right? And so if we look at verses 23 to 26, it says this, the land must, be, uh, must never be sold on a permanent basis for the land belongs to me. So God is saying, you must never sell that land because the land actually belongs to me, belongs to God. So God says, I've given you this gift, but it actually still belongs to me. So you aren't allowed to sell it on a permanent basis. Uh, you are... Um, you are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. With every purchase of land, you must grant the seller the right to buy it back. That's redemption, the right to buy it back. Can you type in the group chat, the right to buy it back? That's what redemption is. If you're taking notes, redemption is the right to buy it back. So if one of you fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell some family land, then a close relative should buy it back for him. If there is no close relative to buy the land, but the person who sold it gets enough money to buy it back, it goes on to say that they are allowed to buy it back, right? So redemption means the seller has the right to buy back. That's what redemption is. The whole reason for these rules is so that the Levites couldn't lose their portion of land. And, and, and it was the same for the other tribes. So basically, because what could happen is if you had a foreigner move in and become rich, if he, was in, if he bought the land, the, the Israelites would lose the land that God gave them. So that's why they weren't allowed to sell it on a permanent basis. And so, but more importantly for the Levites, if they sold land, they, it wasn't able to be kept from them forever because then they would lose all their land altogether. 
So it was important that the Levites allotted land had to stay amongst the Levites. So there's something for you. So, but redemption is when it comes back to you, to who it belonged to originally. So then if, then if we jump down then to verses 47 to 49, it says this, suppose a foreigner or temporary resident becomes rich while living among you. If any of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and are forced to sell themselves to such a foreigner or to a member of his family, so basically talking about some form of slavery, they still retain the right to be bought back. Even after they have been purchased, they may be bought back by a brother, an uncle, or a cousin. In fact, anyone from the extended family may buy them back. They may also redeem themselves if they have prospered. So we see here again, this concept of redemption is the right to be bought back. So if you lose land, you had the right to buy it back. If you got sold into slavery, you had the right to be bought back. You had the right to be redeemed. And so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you got to understand that you have the right to be bought back. When you get sold into something that due to sad circumstances or poverty, you have the right to be bought back. And so redemption means people have the right to be bought back. Then we follow the story of God's people in the Bible. If we were to continue reading, we get to the book of Ruth, right? And then Ruth has, we see this principle of redemption actually being applied. So we don't just learn about it in Leviticus. We actually see this principle being outworked in the life of people. And so there's a dude called, um, oh, I can't pronounce his name now. Well, it is um, El Emiliac, is that, is that right? Did I pronounce that correctly? Emiliac, I'm pretty sure that is, Emiliac. And so he has two sons and a wife called Naomi, right? And then what happens is Israel goes through drought, you could say, or I think the Bible in my translation talks about a famine comes upon the land. And so what um, Emiliac and he, um, Emiliac, I think, yeah, and his, he decides to take his family and move outside of Israel to go to somewhere where there's food and stuff so they can prosper and survive. That makes sense, doesn't it? If you can't eat, get food where you are, you'll move somewhere where you can get, get a job and eat food and survive. And then so what happens is his um, two sons get married in, um, in the country of Moab and then 10 years pass and basically Emiliac dies and his two sons die. So Ruth is left, uh, not Ruth, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Naomi is left in this foreign country with no husband, no sons, and two daughter-in-laws, right? And so one of those daughters-of-law is Ruth. Then, um, so um, Ruth, who was married to one of the dead sons, um, decides to stick with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and they move back to Israel. They move back to where they came from in Bethlehem, right? Then... Um, when they get back to Israel, they meet this dude called Boaz. And then I want to read verses. Uh, so we're going to read the book in the book of Ruth, chapter three. We're going to read verses 12 to 13. And Boaz says this. So, but uh, while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, so talking to Ruth, he says, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight. And in the morning, I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you very well. Let him marry you. But if he's not willing to, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. 
Now lie down here until morning. Now some other translations talk about Boaz being a kinsman redeemer because a kinsman basically means a close family relative. And as we just saw previously in Leviticus, it said it could be a cousin, it could be an uncle, it could be a close family member. They were the people, because obviously the closer it is to the family, the more better it is being going back to who the land belongs to. So that's the whole point of that rule. Was to go, you know, we don't want it to go to a nut like cousins down far removed down the track. They want it to be as close as to who it should belong to. And so Boaz was a close relative to Naomi, but he wasn't the closest. And so there was an opportunity for someone who was closer to have the opportunity to redeem or buy back Naomi and Ruth. But then if we read then in chapter 4, verses 4 to 5, it says this. So this man who was closer related says, all right then, I will redeem it. But then Bob has told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you may marry Ruth, the Moabite woman. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. And then what happens is, we, if we keep reading, we find out that the dude's like, I don't want to have my, my inheritance go down to this other random. And he taps out and then Boaz ends up being able to redeem and purchase Naomi and Ruth and their land that belonged to them. So that land got redeemed by Boaz. So I think that's pretty pretty random, but that's what happened. So we see that principle that it actually um, it, the land got bought back and they got bought back and they were redeemed because of Boaz. And so um, now if we then pause there and go back to where we start in Psalms 49, verses 5 to 15, I want to read that. It says this. And so it says, if we read that, basically almost that full psalm, it says this. Why should I fear when trouble comes, when enemies surround me? They trust in their wealth and boast of great witches, yet they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. Redemption does not come so easily, for no one can ever pay enough to live forever and never see the grave. Those who are wise must finally die just like the foolish and senseless, leaving all their wealth behind. The grave is their eternal home where they will stay forever. They may name their estates after themselves, but their fame will not last. They will die just like animals. This is a fate of all fools, though they are, re are remembered as being wise. Like sheep, they are led to the grave where death will be their shepherd. In the morning, the godly will all over them. Their bodies will rot in the grave far from their grand estates. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of the grave. And so the thing, it, it's pretty like sad really and depressing, but it's like we're all going to die. Whether we like it or not, we're all going to die. Now, I don't know if you've had a close family member die, but when that stuff happens, it makes life pretty real to you. When, you, when we realize that we will die, um, whether we're in our 90s, whether we're, like it happens tomorrow, at some point in time, we are going to die. And it's bleak. And we see there, you might have land, you may have wealth, you may have finances, but that stuff stays here and you die. And the, the question is, well, look, for us, is 
do we get redeemed? Because I, as I, my declaration is, as for me, my God will redeem me, and just death isn't isn't what controls my my circumstances. So um, we're all going to die, but and then because of sin, we have lost what once belonged to us, right? So when we talk about this concept of redemption, when we talk about this concept of being redeemed or needing a redeemer, we have all um, had a had right relationship with God and eternity with him. That's what God created in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth and he created man and we had right relationship with God. We had perfect connection to him. Then through sin, we have lost that connection. We have lost that, that perfect relationship with God and now we're in a position where we need to be redeemed. We're in a position where the, the cost of sin over our life we can't afford, but we need a close relative that can redeem us and bring us back to God and buy us back to where we're meant to be, Get, bring us back to what we were meant to have, right? And so then if we look at then the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 7 in the NIV, talking about Jesus, so it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And so then, and then if we look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, with his blood, talking about Jesus again, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once um, once for all time and secured our redemption forever. So we see here that Jesus through, and we obviously understand through the, um, the death and resurrection on the cross, when he died on the cross, that blood that was shed for us when we do communion, that we understand that that blood shed purchased our redemption. When, when, we, when we believe in Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus, your sacrifice for us, that redeems us back to right relationship with God. And so we can pray a prayer and say, God, we give our life to you. We choose to put our hope in you because Jesus paid the price on the cross that brought us our redemption. Does, does that make sense to anybody in this place? Because Jesus died, because he, he shed his blood, that blood is the most precious, wealthy thing on the planet that was able to go, you know what, because of that, I now purchase you to be redeemed. I've now chosen you. And he goes, you know what, I'm going to buy you back. No longer are you under the, the grip of sin. That thing has, has gone and I've brought you back to myself to back to the place that belonged to you. And so back to Psalms 49 verses 15. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of the grave. And you know what? I want that Bible verse to be implanted in your brain, implanted in your heart, that when, if you, when we sing a song ever again, when we sing Jesus, my redemption, that you go, you know what? Jesus brought me back from sin. I was under sin's control, but Jesus brought me back. When we sing songs, that, that other passion, I'll praise you. Now for every victory, I'll praise you. Like I've never known defeat, whatever it is. Um, and it talks about, um, when talking about the redemption, again, we go, you know what? We have to have a picture where we go, you know what? I, I have right relationship with God because he brought me back from the control of sin that had over me. The poverty of sin over my life has been broken and I have been brought back to right relationship with God. And I, I believe that can be your declaration that you can say, you know what, as for me, I'm, it doesn't matter what happens to the person on my screen, on my left, my right, above or below me, 
But as for me, God is my redemption and I, the power of the grave has no control over my life. That when Jesus returns, we're going to be with him because he's purchased us and that's our inheritance and that's our heritage. The Levites may have had land, but our promise is that when Jesus returns, we're going with him because of his redemption on our life. So I'm going to pray as finish and we'll go on to our next section. So God, right now, we pray for everyone here in one youth. I pray that they can understand the concept of redemption. May it not just be a knowledgeable thing that fills their brain, but maybe something that they actually have on the heart of the inside of them where they can, God, I pray that you give them a fuller picture, a fuller revelation of what redemption really is, God, of the, the principle of what it is to be brought back from sin, but what it means to be brought back from death. And God, we just thank you so much for how awesome it is that you, that you chose us, that you said, you know what? I, I love this person so much. I value them so much that I'm going to buy them back and it costs, it, it costs us nothing, but it costs you everything, Jesus. And we're just so grateful and thankful for you. And we just believe, God, that we can live lives having assurance of eternity with you because of your redemption for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.